I really lost myself a while back. So when you see me popping out, it's not to stunt on nobody. It's to apologise to myself. Tweeted by I am Star Deshay, as retweeted by Frontline Therapist. Hello, welcome, happy Tuesday or whatever day it is that you are listening to this episode of the Toy Talks podcast. My name is of course Toy Washington and today we bring you a brand new episode of the Toy Talks podcast. Oh my god, what a week. Wow, a lot happens in a week, especially in the UK. I don't even know where to start with that. But um, what I will say is on Saturday, I took myself out. I spent time with myself. I went to a really nice coffee place called Shot London. It's like premium coffee. You know when coffee is charging you 15 pounds? 15 pounds for coffee. However, even though I couldn't taste it, it was very smooth going down my throat. And if you know anything about me, I am a coffee connoisseur. So when I get my taste back, I will definitely be going back there. But the reason I tell you guys this is because last week I was on Instagram and I said, how many of us self-care? Like really self-care. Not getting your nails done or your eyelashes or your hair or your feet done, you know, like a mani-pedi. But I mean self-care. You see, the things I've just mentioned are upkeep, yeah? That's just upkeep. That's actually not self-care. You know, for some of us, our life is work home cook sleep for some of us our work uh, our life is work 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 sleep work 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 but how many of us actually carve out time to say this is me time now don't get me wrong i love a really nice hot bubble bath and things like that but again that's like upkeep is it's a form of relaxation but that's not really investing the time in your self-care and um, luckily for me, I had a friend of mine that had sent me um, a video of Shot London on TikTok and it looked amazing. And I said, I'm going to take myself out. And I did just that. And in the space and the balance of being able to take myself out and concentrate just on doing nothing, my creativity was on a hundred. I took a notepad and a pen and I couldn't stop writing. And it was creative ideas for the vlog. It was things that I wanted to do for the podcast. And it was just being able to be in a balanced space where I was just centering myself. And when I was done there, I went to Cartier. In fact, I'd gone to Cartier first, but what I wanted was wasn't there, it was being delivered later on. So I, I went to Shot London and the view was, my view was that once I'd gone to Cartier, I'd go to Shot London, but as it was, I ended up having to go there and kind of while away some time, but I was gonna go there anyway. So it was just so nice. And even when I was there, the baristas there were so lovely. They spoke about the coffee. They really gave me in-depth understanding about the coffee bean that was being used. And I'm a coffee nerd, you know, so it was just really, really nice. And what I'm going to say is I'm going to encourage you guys to do that, to send to yourself, you know, take yourself out for the day or for the afternoon and really just do whatever you want to do. And I'm not saying you've got to spend loads of money to do it. I'm just saying that it's important that we allow us ourselves time and give ourselves permission 
to be able to do that because I used to feel very guilty when I'm not like doing like some form of work like I'm wasting time but what I've realized is because of how hard I went in 2021 I've just been so tired and exhausted and it hasn't been helped by the long covid of exhaustion as well and over the last couple of weeks I haven't mentally been in a good space and knowing that I suffer from depression believe me when I tell you that if it wasn't for the people that I have around me and you know people really covering me and really just allowing me to express how I was feeling it was difficult I don't think I would have been able to come out of it do you know what I mean and the thing is with depression it's really scary when you're in it because you feel all this emotion and you don't know what to do with it so being able to kind of have great people around me was one thing but also recognizing that in order for me to find balance which I'm always seeking I have to also be nice to myself and be kind to myself and I haven't always been that way so going hard and making sure I achieve certain goals is great but I have to also give myself the opportunity to enjoy those things. And part of enjoying those things is often taking myself away and just really centering me. So that was my Saturday. It was well-deserved and much needed. And I treated myself to um, some jewelry in Cartier and I just feel very blessed to be in a position to do that. So that, that was kind of how I spent my Saturday. Um, <laughs> I, so this podcast is, um, basically entitled subject re quick chat and um as the podcast progresses you know how it is the title makes more and more sense if you can hear any like jumping noises i apologize i don't know what it is about my neighbors upstairs where at certain periods of the day their kids are just jumping jumping it is like eight o'clock at, at night i don't understand why these kids are not asleep it's a school term i don't get it so i do apologize if you can hear any kind of noise and I'm hoping you can't, but it's really, really annoying and quite distracting for me. So remembering your why is important. Understanding that there are a lot of pressures within the workplace and we're constantly being triggered at work. Again, we have to have an opportunity to decompress and remember our why and remember that our body is not firewood. So everybody can see what's happening in the media about Partygate. If you're in the UK, then um, you will know that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, and I always say you're the Prime Minister because me, I didn't vote him. Um, basically, during the height of COVID in 2020, when there was restrictions and basically we wasn't allowed to congregate in a group of more than six, we, you know, it was just a difficult period during that lockdown season. Well, Boris Johnson was allegedly partying um him and his uh friends were partying at number 10 and apparently what was released last week is that a day before the queen's husband died boris johnson was having a party and this is all allegedly right there is currently an internal investigation underway metropolitan police are also investigating and apparently the uh, results of the investigation are out this week Dominic Cummings and those who uh, have been listening to the previous podcast episodes, you, you guys would know already that Dominic, Dominic Cummings was Boris Johnson's right hand, unelected, but more of a, an advisor, quite an influential one. In fact, I'd go with saying that if it wasn't for Dominic Cummings orchestrating um, Boris Johnson to be in the position that he, he is in today, he wouldn't have been elected prime minister. So Dominic Cummings has a lot of power. 
and whatever the infighting was whatever the issue is i always said from the very beginning dominic cummings leaving the way he did from the front door the very front door he entered in with his box filled with a burn folder i knew he was on crud and he has been slow and steady he has been relentless but he has been persistent and consistent now that um it has been um revealed about all these partying during lockdown and the fact that obviously boris johnson looks like a hypocrite people were dying and boris was basically allegedly partying dominic, dominic cummings is actually going to be interviewed by the person heading the internal investigation so dominic cummings has evidence and he said already i will take um an oath and i'm happy to speak on this topic because that box that he left with was filled with information. He left with his band folder. And I've always said to you guys, and that's why I did that podcast episode. If you want to understand how to navigate white people, you have to understand how white people navigate each other. We're talking about society that has been created for the benefit of white people first. So if you want to learn how and understand how to navigate them and be successful in the world of working in life you have to watch how white people do and you see it's crazy isn't it when when um when white people go to war in the way they do so like we're seeing kind of like the war between dominic cummings and boris johnson it's that kind of like things unsaid they don't like dominic cummings is not sitting there saying i've got this on you i've got this on you no He's playing his chess moves according to what Boris does and according to what the current party does. But believe me when I tell you that Dominic Cummings has, in my opinion, has got dirt on every one of them. But he is fixated on Boris Johnson. So everything that comes out, in my opinion, I believe that Dominic Cummings is behind it. Because the smear campaign, and don't get it twisted, Boris Johnson is responsible Okay, he did those things. But it's the fact that, you know, in the world of work, some of us still don't know how to navigate properly. We're still acting on all that emotion. We still appear in all that, and we, we appear in that emotion and we use that emotion. And I've always said, when you act on emotion, you are always gonna be wrong, especially in the workplace, especially in the workplace. And I'm watching Dominic Cummings navigate the demise and destruction of boris johnson and i'm thinking to myself this man is not only highly intelligent this man is patient he's patient some of you are probably thinking well what does dominic cummings have to gain well a whole lot if he's still got control of what's happening within number 10 do you think that he doesn't have some form of control you think he doesn't have people that are leaking him information in my humble opinion i believe he does and I believe that Dominic Cummings, his sole interest is self-serving. However, at the end of the day, the process of removing Johnson and humiliating him is being done very strategically by Dominic Cummings. And we do well to sit there and understand and watch and learn. We can pick up a thing or two from what's happening and apply it to the workplace we will continue to watch i don't i personally don't think that boris johnson will still be the prime minister at the end of the year if he is i'm going to be shocked i'm going to be really surprised this you know like when people talk about future and all these kids and his baby mums they talk about tristan all these kids and his baby mums we need to also add boris johnson to that category that list we need to have that they're all part of the same rap sheet 
This man has had affairs, allegedly. This man has so many kids, multiple children with multiple women, allegedly. This man has lied. My man said that he didn't even know it was a party. And yet, he is still the prime minister of this country. Do you think it, if it was a black man, they would have, they would have, listen, the vote of no confidence would have come, he would be gone. But this is how white privilege privileges. This is how it happens. This is, this is, we are watching white privilege in action. The strength of white privilege. And then you think that you can then be in the workplace and underestimate white privilege in the workplace. Come on. What we are seeing is in HD how white privilege operates to protect white people and how privilege actually works to, pro pro um, to protect non-black people. Because as black people, we know we don't have privilege. We don't. We have none. Absolutely none. None. The only glimmer of privilege is black men because the proximity to masculinity and being able to kind of, you know, connect with a fellow white man on that level. But that is just like, it, it, it's not a big advantage, but it's more than what we have as black women. I'll tell you that much. So I remember I was saying to you that this Saturday, just gone, it was about me remembering my why. And last week, I was just minding my business, you know. The ancestors knew what was on my chest. They were very aware of it. And any time there is kind of that feeling that I have, the ancestors will always show me my why or remind me of my why not show me my why because i know my why it's remind me of my why and i was just minding my business and my twitter kept going off kept going off going off and i'm a lot more active on instagram than i am on twitter but twitter i do kind of go in there from time to time go in the twitter spaces and so i get this message saying toya your you the toy talk platform is being discussed in a twitter room so i'm thinking okay I walk in, uh, I walk in, you know, <laughs> I go into this Twitter room and the podcasts and all the information relating to the platform is pinned in this group. And the group is called Black in the Workspace. And honestly, it was, first of all, it was quite overwhelming because I didn't really understand what was going on. And then when I, you know, listened and everything i realized that i realized that this was a safe space created by a beautiful black queen called reggie yates her handle is reggie yates and i'm going to leave her handle in the summary box to accompany this episode and what she's done is she's created the space on twitter so every tuesday at 8 p.m uk time on twitter Black in the workspace, where basically black people can go and share their work-related stories depending on the on the particular topic. And there were so many stories being shared. I was so upset that I'd come a bit later and hadn't been there from the beginning. And people were talking. And as I was in the room, obviously the podcast and platform is pinned to the room. It it wasn't about me going on stage, and I never did any of that because I was like, this this isn't about that. This is about a safe space where black people can share their work-related experiences and feel safe to do so. It's a reassuring space where we can hear fellow black people 
who have had quite triggering or traumatic experiences in the world of work and feel safe enough to share it and hear from other people so we know that we're not alone that we understand that there's other people going through it as well and there was some advice that was given that I didn't always agree with because when someone says you need to write everything down you're not an author you're not writing a book you know you know it's not about writing things down it's actually keeping an audit and they're two different things you need an audit trail and that audit trail comes from summarizing things and sending it to the person that's the trail because if you're writing things down and you're writing times and dates and i'm telling you right now that is your perspective it's very subjective i've been there i've been there done it now the difference in creating an audit trail is you're emailing somebody and you're creating a trail of conversation whether the person acknowledges it or not the fact that it's left your email and gone to them that is an audit trail and you can print that off you can screen take a screenshot of it however you want to keep it as evidence but all this stuff about writing things down i don't really agree with that and um there was somebody that um tweeted you need to get clued up on employment law no you don't actually because some people are not in um the employment or any type of legal field to understand employment law rights at the very minimum i've always said you should understand the company policy relating to certain things and i'm not sitting there telling you read all the company policies it's when these situations arrive uh, arise that you should be familiar with it so when people reach out to me or send a dilemma the first thing i say to them is okay i need you to get me the policy on holidays I need you to, to, when I say holidays, I mean annual leave. I need you to get me the policy on resignation. And then I need you to tell me what your contract says. Do, do you understand? So I think we need to be just a little bit careful about that aspect of things because I feel like when you now start putting the responsibility of understanding employment law on people, it becomes quite overwhelming. And this is often the reason why people then don't feel confident enough to tackle certain situations or... Um, feel quite overwhelmed and therefore it's easier for certain people depending on personality type to just accept um, distasteful treatment and disadvantageous treatment and accept that level of often violence that we see in the workplace so I, from that perspective I didn't particularly agree with certain things that were being tweeted um, but the room itself and how it was managed and the things were discussed was absolutely amazing it was honestly it made my heart dance that there is a room where people are sharing but equally being able to witness that it was a reminder from the ancestors that my job isn't done my job isn't done because there are so many people that don't even know that toy talks platform exists and i know this because when my room was pinned people started following me follow me on socials and then there was a couple of people that were like, oh my God, there's this whole podcast and there's all these episodes. And some girl, she messaged me, she was like, oh my God, Toya, for the last two years, I've been going through hell at work and your podcast, I'm listening it from the beginning. Where have you been? And in my, in my head, I was like, oh my God, for two years of suffering in a workplace, when I've created a platform where I don't just listen i don't just come there and say this is what happened this is what happened. I, I don't you guys know that i actually give you the practical tools to use because like i said last week if i'm hit by a bus the podcast lives on it stays and the things i advise on and the tools i give you and teach you are tools that are going to guide you throughout your whole life 
in the and, and and not just at work in life and how you deal with certain things in business as well i'm about practical tools because if you give people tools and you allow people to develop how they use those tools you're giving them skills to be able to use whether you're there or not do you understand what i'm saying so yeah make sure you listen go in on twitter if you haven't got twitter go and download it even if it's just to go to that room every tuesday at eight o'clock black in the workspace and um the ancestors again always active um uh, the one of the main people that runs the room her handle is reggie yates she reached out to me and asked me if i'd like to be a speaker and um my view is i have no issue with being a speaker but i just didn't feel as though that is the space for me to speak if that makes sense so i think what we've agreed is i'm going to be in the audience and you know if there are things that arise or whatever you know i will kind of speak on it but i want to send to all the people in the room that are sharing their experiences that's that's to me more important and if there are certain things that i feel like okay this is not the right place or the right situation to address it then maybe we can talk about it on the podcast so i think that's a nice healthy compromise so i will be in that room black in the workspace i will leave the leave the information and the hashtag and everything in the summary notes that accompany this podcast episode but please if you have you know if you're not busy just have it on in the background listen to people's experiences it will shock you one of the experiences i did want to touch on that was shared in the room was um a black queen shared that um you know she was working in a particular workplace and um she came on her period and basically she was leaking and she had asked her boss if she could kind of go and i think it was to john lewis or wherever it was whatever store it was it was basically to go and replace her stained trousers and obviously to go and get some sanitary towels and um the boss said no the boss said no And when I heard her say this, my heart sank because obviously then she just remained there, leaking with her menstrual cycle on her chair, on her trousers, everywhere. And it triggered me because it reminded me of something that happened to me, but it wasn't about menstrual cycle, it was more about using the toilet, but we'll get onto that in a minute. And as, as this was being read, I just thought to myself, it comes from a space of permission. We're still conditioned or lingering conditioning from our parents. That subservient attitude of, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for hiring me. And also, it's also from a place of ignorance where we don't know our rights. Some of us walk into the workplace and not understand that you don't actually have to ask permission to take annual leave. It is your entitlement. But equally, I have also said on the podcast, it's the way you also phrase things. I'm guilty in my early 20s and in the workplace of asking permission to use the toilet. And where does that come from? That comes from the education system where we can't just get up and use the toilet. You have to ask the teachers, oh, can I use the toilet? And then when you go through the education system, even if you're in a um, a lecture theatre at university, you still have to ask to leave. Well, for me anyway, we still had to ask to leave. You understand? Especially if you're sitting towards the front or you would, even if you didn't ask to leave, you'd get up and almost tell them where you're going. And that is you seeking the permission. But we need to get out of this permission mindset. It's the permission mindset where your body is having a period. Your body needs to use the toilet. It is a 
it's 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 a human rights violation in my mind to deliberately prohibit somebody from easing themselves and if we want to take it back to health and safety it's a health and safety risk your organization owes each and every one of you a duty of care that duty extends to your mental health to your physical health so making sure that you're working in a safe environment and it also extends itself to your actual personal health and I understand a lot of it is also age. When you're really young, you're just starting in the workplace. Maybe it's taking you a while to get this job. You're earning money. Like you just want everything to be, you know, smooth sailing. No one's actually preparing you for what you're actually going to encounter as a black woman at work. No one's preparing you for what you're going to encounter as a black man at work. No one's doing that. But then... We have to then, and, and in my mind, we have to then start creating awareness and awareness through, you know, black in the workspace, you know, awareness through the Toy Talks podcast and platform. We have to start doing it because our sisters are suffering, suffering because they don't know. They don't have access to the information to know. They're not walking into the workplace feeling empowered by the knowledge that they have when they walk in there. A lot of people are walking into workspaces as black canvases, and that is dangerous. It's dangerous because you're working with non-black people who already have decided who we are based on their own prejudices, racial stereotype. You're working in, in a white construct. This is a white construct. It doesn't benefit us. And then you're walking in as a blank canvas. It's like, uh, it's almost like inviting these people to mistreat you because you're black. You don't know. And they, they can, listen, I always say these people in the workplace know who to do these things to. They sure as well. They know. When you give them, pim, they start to realize, okay, maybe this one isn't the one. Don't get it twisted. They'll still try and try you. But on a different level. In my early 20s, I was working in um, an organisation and it was within the finance industry. And um, early 20s, right? I was quite immature anyway. I have to be honest. When I look back, I think to myself, I, I really saw the world with rose-tinted specs. And I was of the mindset of asking permission to use the toilet. And I'd say to my boss, oh, do you mind if I use the toilet? Do you mind if I use the toilet? Look at that. Do I mind? So if she minds, I can't go. And she minded. I got up and left anyway, because my bladder, it was either do that or wet myself. So I got up and went. Within about three minutes, somebody had come in the toilet and the door whacked against the wall. It was louder. So as I was sitting on the toilet, I flinched. Then I heard the other doors, the cubicle doors fling open. And then obviously mine's locked and there was a bang. <laughs> Toya, Toya, you need to come back to your desk. And me, I'm like, but I'm just using the toilet. 
No, well, you've been in there for a long time now. I'm sure you've finished. Imagine a whole adult coming to me as an adult too, a young adult, to tell me that the weed that is pouring out of my vagina is finished. Well, it's still dripping. It's not finished. That's called harassment. That is called harassment. Do you know I clean myself quick? I'm sure because of the veracity of cleaning myself, I'm sure that caused the thrush that I had later that week. Because obviously the toilet roll there is cheap. I did my button and everything. I opened the door. My boss is standing there. <laughs> um, we had two managers in that team. One man, one woman. So she's just looking at me. And she goes, come on then. Almost like, run along. I'm going to wash my hands. She goes, Toya. I said, yeah, but I need to wash my hands. Now I know that's typical, innit? Because clearly some people don't like washing their hands. Clearly, you know, they see washing their hands as occupying too much time. They're not thinking about that, the bacteria that they met in the toilet. Anyway, we digress. I washed my hand. I went to sit down at my desk. I just felt upset. I felt I was being controlled. And that is control. Do you think now anyone can come? What? First of all, I'm not even asking you to go to the toilet. I'm disappearing. Call me Casper, baby. But you then want to come to the toilet and bang on those. Are you mad? By the time I've cussed you yet, it'll just be me and you. even deny I've cussed you. Who are you? Who are you? And the worst part of it is that woman is a fellow woman. You're a fellow woman. So me needing to use the toilet, for all you know, I could be changing my sanitary pad. You didn't give a shit. You didn't care. I went back to my desk. As I'm sitting at my desk, an email comes through. Do -do -do -do. The title of the email was Quick Chat. So later that afternoon, I went into the meeting room that was booked and my boss was in there, HR was in there and their allegation was that um, I've been unproductive, that I frequent the toilet too much and therefore they feel as though I'm not um, delivering enough work and that my work is often incomplete and I have to go home. And they've noticed that in a day, I go to the toilet more than six times. HR was just there looking at me. Is there any um, medical reasons that we should be advised of about the reason, um, as to the reason why you, you go to the toilet quite frequently? I said, what do you mean? Like, is there a quota of expectation of how someone uses the toilet? I don't understand. I don't have no medical problem. I just need to use the toilet. I need to ease myself. Then, do you know what my boss said? I do notice that you drink a lot of water, so maybe we, we need to ease up on that. Obviously, I didn't know what I'm entitled to. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know anything. I was young. I was young. And in fact, I had no business being in the workplace, not understanding the possible violence I would be encountering. This was violent. This was violent. 
So I said, I, I'm so sorry, you know, I didn't realise that I used the toilet. Me. So you're apologising for your bodily function? Yes, that was me, Toya, I apologised. So HR said they're going to monitor it, but they're going to send me a letter. Because you know during those times it was more letters rather than emails. Um, they're going to send me a letter just summarising the meeting. And basically, um, they're not going to take it any further, but they're going to monitor it. <laughs> I went back to my desk. As I went back to my desk, I needed to use the toilet. I had to hold it till the end of the day. I didn't know any better. This toilet gate was going on for a while. I'd been there for about three months. And every time I needed to use the toilet, I just kind of felt like I had to do it either at lunchtime or if I was going to a meeting, I would then do quick detour and I wouldn't even wipe myself because I was so scared that it would just take too much time. So I drip dried in my knickers. I have, to, I have to tell you guys the truth. I was in my early 20s. I knew no better. I was being bullied in the workplace by my manager and it was being supported by HR. Visually, it looked like, you know, if care was not taken, I'd be sacked because I'm using the toilet too much. Um... Things became really uncomfortable there. I kind of felt like I was being policed. You know, anytime I laughed, my boss would be looking at me. You know, there was a lot of things that happened in between, and I say a lot of things, but just made me uncomfortable, like I couldn't really be myself. And one day I just snapped. I just snapped. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, no, no, no. You know the ones where you had to, I had to do a mighty shit in the toilet. So I knew I was gonna be there for some time, so what? I will now have to what? Save it until later? No, I can't do that. I went to have my shit, okay? I went there, I shitted. When I finished the toilet, washed my hands, wiped myself, you know, as I was get, going to my desk, my boss made it a point to show me that she was writing something. I was like, fuck this, I'll need this. So what did I do? I wrote my resignation in a paper. I stood on the table. I said, I resign from here. I'm done. You people make me sick. You've made my life hell. I can't even use the toilet. I can't laugh. I can't do anything without being scrutinised, without being questioned like a criminal. I'm at the printer, I'm being told that I'm spending too much time in the printer. There's a paper jam. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There's a paper jam. I said, I hate it here. And I hate you. You're horrible. You're evil. You're a witch. So screw your job. Screw it. I don't give a fuck. I said that. I said, I don't give a fuck. Here's my resignation. Fuck you all. I took my bag. My boss is like, Get out, get out. I said, I don't need to get out. I'm going to go when I'm good and ready. So she stormed off. I know she went to go and get HR. Fucking bitch. I collected my bag. I said bye to my friends. Gave them my mobile number. Because then, again, immaturity. I walked out. As I was walking out, HR, two of them. These, you know HR's crazy because you don't even think there's many people working there. When the manager's on crud, you'll see all of them. I said, ah, who are you people? Okay, so you guys work in HR, you can't re return fucking emails. Bastards. I said, I'm going anyway. 
my boss is like you need to drop your 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 um card you know your what do you call it your id card i said i'll give it to reception i walked out i even dumped it on the floor in reception i just dropped it on the floor i left i didn't care i didn't care i'd been pushed too far before i tell you how i should have handled it what i will say to you is when i have looked back at that situation and i've looked at all these different situations that i was in um ever since i entered the world of work i feel like that situation was so symbolic why didn't i stand on the chair why did i stand on the table what was the significance of that i can tell you the significance of that is feeling so oppressed and feeling so small that i needed to stand up to be seen i needed to reclaim my dignity i needed to be heard i was being bullied by my manager how can you come in a toilet and bang on the toilet door? How? How can I need to use the toilet and I have to look where my boss is? I have to look. If she's in a meeting, I'll go in her diary, see how long the meeting is. Run to the toilet, get back in the hopes that her meeting ain't finished early. If that isn't bullying, I don't know what, that, what is, you know. But I know today, 2022, there's still people that are going through stuff like that. Well, maybe less so now because a lot of people have been remote working. I know that. Do you know, after that happened, I was traumatised <clears throat> because the next job I went to, I remember quite clearly on the first day and I was nervous already. So using the toilet, I don't know if it was because I needed to or because I was just nervous. Either way, who cares? Who needs a reason? You should be able to go to the toilet freely. Am, am I in bondage or what? And, um... I got taken to my desk, I, you know, there was a team meeting. I was introduced to the new team and I needed to use the toilet. So I got up and left. I didn't even say where I was going. I just got up and left. Because I thought, who am I going to ask? When is the right time to ask? It was giving me, like, the need to use the toilet was even triggering myself. I said, I can't, I can't do this. This, this can't be it. I just went to the toilet. I eased myself. When I came back. They knew I'd gone to the toilet. Where else would I have gone? I wasn't walking out. My pen and my notepad was on the table still. And that day I made a promise to myself. I said, if I need to use the toilet or if I just need to make a call, I don't need to ask permission. I don't. Because when that manager uses the toilet, she doesn't ask permission from her line manager or from the director. So why am I, why am I in a situation where I've, I've given the manager so so much control, I've given them control over when to give me permission to open my bladders or open my bowels. What's that? No, I just went. But it wasn't like, I never felt like I could speak to my friends about it, get advice. No, I felt it was just me. You understand? So fast forward how many years now, I'm in a Twitter space and I'm hearing a young lady talk about being on her period. I was triggered. I was triggered and I don't even think it was her I think she had written to something in the back channel and it was read out I was triggered I was so triggered so triggered because even in that workplace if I was on my period I wouldn't change my pad frequently that would I would probably have the same pad in the morning and keep it there until the lunchtime me Toya who has heavy periods what business do I have keeping a, a sanitary towel for longer than two hours but let's be honest, what governs our behaviour to 
almost accept a no when we're asking to use the toilet well first of all I hope that I have dismantled the thought process of ever thinking that you have to ask to use the toilet or ask to go to the shop or ask to go get a coffee get up and go get the hell up and go and come back and if you don't want to come back that's okay too but the idea that if we go to the toilet we're going to lose our jobs that is on its basic level it's a fear so we're almost now placing ourselves in a controlled environment we're allowing our line managers our bosses the organization to control us to control us even down to our bodily function i'm here today to tell you you do not need to ask permission to use the toilet you do not need to ask permission to change your sanitary pad if you have leaked you do not need permission to go to the shop and buy a new pair of trousers and buy some sanitary towels you do not have to. you do what you need to do you do what you need to do if you have a boss that is that way inclined and that is i think that's a step up from micromanagement it's just bullying at that point i think we should just call it what it is if i could go to back to the 20 the 20 some early 20 something toya i would have said to me toya after the situation that happened where you went to use the toilet and your boss came and banged the door and everything put it in writing send it to your boss and copy in the head of hr we've gone past just a normal hr person the head of hr explain what happened keep it short and succinct and make sure you make it clear that the organization owes you a duty of care and in exercising that duty of care they need to ensure that your health and safety is preserved and your boss did not do that your boss is an agent of the company she represents them and you need to make it clear that you using the toilet is a simple basic bodily function and a basic expectation that you should just go and use the toilet and that they need to provide you with the policy where it makes it clear and it states that before one can use the toilet you need to ask permission you want to see the policy and that from here on in you will be using the toilet and frequent the toilet anytime your bladder or your bowel permits and if there are any issues then you're happy to have a discussion and you you will seek external advice because when you say external advice it could be legal it could be anything but the law protects you as well that's crazy but organizations are hoping that you don't know the law they're hoping that my podcast doesn't exist where i can let you know what it is do you understand well we're here to stay we're not going nowhere but that trauma that that young lady went through of leaking and not being able to clean up that trauma must have stayed with her of course it did because she brought it to the twitter stage so already you know that it's something that she needed to offload herself and then you have to go through a period of forgiveness of forgiving yourself for not advocating for yourself at that moment but how can you advocate for yourself if you don't know that you can you know where you you guys are we are in a very different time this is a very different generation we are living in times where people are speaking out on injustices and mistreatment and you have to use this opportunity to speak out and advocate for yourself i've always encouraged advocating for yourself and doing it in the right way 
So, based on based on what some people think, I should go. I should have gone back to my desk and wrote it down in a note. But bullshit, bullshit. Create an audit trail. You guys don't understand the strength of an audit trail. The strength of an audit trail is number one. You're putting somebody on notice of something. So if they don't want to acknowledge your email, that's fine. You've, you've put them on notice. That's the most important thing. Secondly, you get to print it out or screenshot it. However, if this situation ever got to a point of court or ever, anything, the court can subpoena the email exchanges. That tells you the strength of an audit trail. Because it's unequivocal, undeniable. When you're there writing stories in your notebooks, I mean, come on. That's your subjective view. And whilst it's a nice to have, it's not helpful. If I now, if I knew then what I know now, I would have taken these people to the cleaners. Because you do know holding, holding urine in can give you infection. It can create all types of problems. It creates all types of internal health problems. And given that an organisation owes each and every person a duty of care, they have not exercised their duty of care correctly. And it's directly impacting my health. They would have been finished. They, would, they even would be begging me, what do I want? Had I known that then what I know now? Please. It doesn't matter the age. When you learn, you grow. My mum always says, the moment you stop learning, you're dead. So that means that while we're alive, irrespective of your age, you're always learning, you're always growing. I always repeatedly have said on social media, on the podcast, I have felt the safest being black remote working. Because even though I know how to navigate the world of work, and even though I am successful in the workplace, and even though I have achieved a lot it is still quite mentally taxing dealing with non-black people who have a racial bias and prejudice and have a foundation of racial um, discrimination in the workplace. It's tiring having to continue to continuously use my lightsaber. You understand? It's tiring. And whilst I'm not sitting here saying remote working, oh, it's not tiring. Yes, it can be. But I'm in the safety of my own home. There is a comfort that I get personally out of working remotely. That I can turn this laptop down. I can tell you that the internet is cut off. I can just be me. I can use my toilet 59 million times a day if I feel like it. I pay the blood clot bill. I can do what I like. I don't feel like I'm being watched. And I'm not sitting here saying remote working has been perfect no you guys know i've told you guys the stories we've got podcast episodes it's not been perfect but the, the fact of the matter is a lot of people who want to remain working remotely if you actually dig deeper it's because it's a safety thing it's because it is comfortable it is because you're actually able to do the job you're employed to do without the prying eyes of people who continuously exercise violence towards black women and that's on period you see how they, they announced that they're doing a, a pilot of a possible four-day week within the UK, and I think 30 businesses have signed up to, uh, for it. Let me just tell you, that pilot is a ploy 
to remove work from home and get you back in the office. Because let's really be honest. Four day week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no one really does anything anyway. It depends, you know, you know what I mean? On Fridays, everybody's getting ready for the weekend. So technically we do a four day week anyway. But the fact that they think that a four day week is something to be celebrated or the pilot, oh, that's not a change because you can actually work from home. It is only a handful of industries, a handful of jobs where you can't work from home. Otherwise, everything else you can work from home. Organisations understood that they can send, um, they can um, send IT, they can career IT to your house. Workplaces realised that you have internet in your homes. Workplace understood that actually you deliver more from home. Yes, because when you're at home, how many breaks do you really take? How many? Let, let's, how many conscious breaks do you take? Probably none. And even if you did, it's probably last 10, 15 minutes, isn't it? And you're back at the desk. These times, you could take an hour. Do you understand? You're working later. Your productivity is higher. Organisations that are clued on and have understood that from a productivity perspective, work from home makes sense. This pilot that the government are trying to do is all a ploy to get people back in the office Monday to Friday. And that's on period. Because they are invested in getting you back in the office. Because if you're not back in the office, you're not using transport. If you're not using transport, you're not um, uh, um, spending money on the transport system. You're not allowing them to make money. If you're not back in the office, the money that they've paid for the lease of that building is a waste. They're not leasing it for one or two years. Some leases run up to six, seven years, even 10 years. So they're not realising that money and therefore it's a sunk cost. So they need to justify the spend on estate by getting you back in the office. Some people want you back, some organisations want you back in the office because managers don't understand the skill of management. People actually think micromanaging staff is management. So how can they micromanage you if you're at home? How? Listen, one of my friends told me something and I, and I need to get the like full story. Imagine working from home and your boss monitoring how many toilet breaks you're having. I need to get the full story because when, she, when my friend said it to me, I think it went over my head because I was, I was triggered because of what happened to me in my early 20s that I haven't worked through in my mind. And I haven't worked through in my mind because I'm still triggered by it. And I think why I'm so triggered is that could never be me now. It could never be me. What? Me that took siesta today for two hours. Me that had siesta for two hours. You're going to try and tell me that I need to ask you permission to use a toilet. Are you mad? I'm not going to do it in the office and I sure as hell ain't going to do it in my house. Are you actually crazy? Listen, I'm doing like the European countries do. I've been to Greece twice. I love Greece. Amazing. It's like one of my best holidays is Greece. When I went to Greece, I can't remember, maybe around two, three, everywhere started shutting up. I was confused. I, I said to the person I was with, is it a weekend? What's all this? When we went to one of the locals, they said, oh, you're closing. They said, yes. Siesta, siesta. We do siesta. I said, hey, this is why these people are living longer than people living here, in the, um, people here in the UK. People outside are living longer because they're building in rest. They're building in balance. These times we're asking permission to use the toilet. These times we're leaking on our sanitary pads and we're asking our boss if we can go and change pads. Can you imagine? These people are doing siesta. What? And then people are telling us about four day week. I keep saying this. I know some of you think, Toya, but I'm genuinely wanting someone to help me understand. 
How is it, yeah? A day before work, you're dreading to go to work. Then in the morning now, you're rushing. You'll wake up at six, if not earlier. You'll be rushing to get ready. You would be doing soldier five, six, seven, eight to the station. You will now get to the platform. You will queue on the platform to get the train. Only to look like a sardine in a sandwich because you're squashed in there. These dirty people haven't washed their, brushed their teeth in the morning. You're squashed there in the train. These people, when they open their ear to take their AirPods out, the type of earwax inside their ear, you'll be saying, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Is, is this where the myrrh and sense is in their ear? Myrrh is in there. Sense is in there. What's all that? All them crops growing out of their ears. You will squash yourself in that train. Then maybe the next stop, they say, sorry, you have to come off the train. We're having signal failure. From there now, you will now fight to get in another train. You will go to work. When you enter the work, violence already started. Because when you got there, maybe you didn't say morning loud enough. You will now go to your desk. You have to do chit-chat and smile, fake smile. You will have a small window of actual productivity because obviously you're playing office politics at the same time. It's bloody tiring. Then after all said and done, you'll now go back on the same train that you fought earlier to come back and to go to work. You are now five to go home. Then when you go home, you will now go, maybe go in the kitchen and cook or maybe go and have a lie down. Before you know it, it's already 10, 11 o'clock. Go and have a shower. Eat bed. Is that life? And now you're telling me about a pilot to do that four days a week. Yeah, crazy. You guys need to start demanding the things that you want. I'm telling you now, start doing it. Start doing it. Because after all said and done, if you haven't learned something in the pandemic, if you haven't learned, you will never learn. Let me tell you what I learned in the pandemic. In the pandemic, I, worked, I learned that work-life balance is determined by me. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm best in class at what I do. And I have leverage because of that. So why am I going to your office Monday to Friday? Why? It's a non-negotiable now. On my CV, a remote worker. Let us all know where we're standing. In the pandemic, I learned about my own productivity, my peak productivity times, and what enables me to be productive. I learned that I can make as much money as I want if I'm willing to position myself in the right places. Through the pandemic, I learned that anything I put my mind to, I can make happen if I'm prepared to work hard for it. Now, some of you may think, but Toy, wouldn't you know that already? No. Because a lot of us worked harder than we've ever worked before during the pandemic. We did. Because we had more time to do it. I had more time to work from as a consultant. I had more time to work on my business after all isn't it me that, that put out a stationary collab is it not me that was doing a podcast do you understand what i'm trying to say i want you to tell me if i was going to work monday to friday i would only have time to record a podcast on the weekend but because there's balance now in my life 
I can record this podcast any day I like to put up an episode on Tuesday. You understand? One thing I'm going to say to you is this. If you receive an email from your line manager, from HR, CEO, CFO, COO, CPO, CDO, whoever the person is, and it says quick chat, I want you to pay attention to the fact that that's not a quick chat. If it's a quick chat, pick up the phone and ring me. If it's a quick chat, why have you got to put in an email? If, if it's a quick chat, why don't you just do it then? Why are you telling me you're going to do it? Just do it. Quick chat is quite triggering for me. Because whenever I've had a quick chat, I have been interrogated about my toilet use. Whenever there's been a quick chat, my probation has been extended. Whenever there's been a quick chat, I've not been prepared. Use this opportunity now to write it down. Say Toya said. Anyone that's emailing you to say quick chat or can we catch up? You need to make sure that you're prepared. How are you prepared? Take your notepad and pen into the meeting that you're going in. That's when you take your notepad and pen. Those of you who bought the Toy Talk stationery, I've given you notepads. You can't say Toy didn't give. You have notepad there. I offered it on my website. You went to go and buy. That's the notepad that you take. And look at how beautiful the notepad is. Half of my face and the other half is your face. The other half represents every single black woman working whilst black. That's the notepad. So when you look at that notepad, you think, what will Toya do? Take that notepad into the meeting. As the meeting is going on, you're now having to multitask. You're having to multitask. So the important thing is to note down key things that are said. Talk less. Write it down. The outcome. When you're in that type of meeting, you will ask them, unfortunately, you didn't give me time to prepare because you didn't tell me what the quick chat was about. So I'd like an opportunity to digest this meeting and um, I can come back to you. When you return back to your desk, I expect you to do a summary of that meeting. What was it, what was said? Brief, brief. We're not asking, asking for uh, chorus and bridge. And then the outcome. That's you summarise. Every meeting, you must do a summary because it's what? An audit trail. The only notes you should be taking is when they catch you unawares to go to a meeting that you're not prepared for or when you they ask you to go to any meeting because you and I both know that you have to summarise at the end so you have to take a notepad. You don't use the notepad to write chapter and verse of what happened, no. You use the notepad to go into those meetings, Yeah? So that you can remind yourself of what you're going to summarise at the end of those meetings. You create your audit trail. When you create your audit trail, you're putting them on notice of whatever it is that you're saying. And remember I've said, take the emotion out of it. So if you can't do that summary straight after, give yourself a, a few hours. It has to be done either that day or early the next day. It has to be done. You have to summarise it. That's best case scenario. If it can't be done within that day or then uh, early the next day, 
that you can't leave it too long before you go back because what you don't want to do is have an opportunity to come back to you or to give you their narrative you have to be the master of the narrative you have to there's a podcast episode about framing it's in the title go and listen to it framing is not just for pictures go and listen to that podcast episode you have to be the architect and the head of that discussion you have to be at the forefront of that narrative you have to so when somebody is telling you that you need to know the law no you just need to be strategic needing to know the law is people who know the law that's when you go and talk to them to understand how to navigate the world of work if you're not going to be strategic you're not going to make it darling you're not going to be successful you're going to continue to be suffering look at how it works Dominic Cummings entered number 10 down the street from the front door his burn folder is not things that are written down they're electronic he's printed all those things go and look online and see the box that he carried see the box he carried audit trail he either downloaded it on in my opinion or he either downloaded it on to an external hard drive or he had the audit trail and printed it off I'm telling you let us learn from these people. I told you, I learned how to navigate the world of work and be successful in the world of work by observing white people in the workplace, non-black people in the workplace, observing them. Now, listen, if you see me in the workplace, some of you will laugh, you know, you will laugh. I'm watching them. And un they, they, they are very, non-black people in the workplace, underestimate us so much and i've told you all being underestimated in the workplace is your greatest superpower because they won't even see you coming they won't even look at you to think that you're doing anything so you have to get ahead of these things and you've got to use your brain you've got to be socially you've got to be socially aware workplace awareness is what is lacking and this is why a lot of people are finding themselves in a problem and i'm not going to say that some of them are not going to look for problem with you because even as it stands now at the workplace, people look for problems with me. I mind my own business, but I know it's because I'm a huge threat to them. I'm a huge threat. Who does this black woman think she is? Why, why, does, why do people even respect her? Who is she? I'm going to show her. And every time God douses them in shame, the ancestors douse them in shame every time. If I tell you what happened to Graham, I'm even coming. Graham is he's done out here. Do you know what done out here is? Done out here. If you want to survive the workplace, you have to place yourself in a position to acquire the tools, develop the tools to be strategic and navigate safely. And the only way that's going to happen, the only way you have to have an open mind about how that is going to happen. I have over a hundred podcast episodes, over a hundred podcast episodes i will never forget the girl that messaged me at the beginning of the podcast um back in um 2020 oh wow she said the podcast is amazing i cannot believe all this content i really didn't know how many episodes you'll be able to do about the world of work i'm very surprised you're stupid then, isn't it? You're stupid and stupider. 
with everything that goes on in the workplace, you were expecting what, maybe five or ten episodes? With everything that goes on in the workplace, it cannot be contained in ten episodes. This is an ongoing project. And the ancestors have come to me periodically and the most recently last week to remind me that the journey is not over. The assignment is not complete. So insofar as there is a need, I will provide. I am using my Jesus mind to plead with you. Share this podcast with at least one or two people. If not more, share it with them. Even if it's a favourite episode, share it with them. Share the platform with them. Because some of us are suffering. There are queens are suffering in the workplace. Some of the kings are even suffering. Do you know the amount of men that listen to this, this podcast? There was a lot of men that listen to this podcast because they realise that even though, even though that this podcast centres black women, there's something for them to learn too. Facts. And I've always said I choose black women first all day, every day. Not just because I'm a black woman myself, but because black women are often not picked first or often overlooked. Our experiences in the workplace is completely different from the experiences of black men or anyone else. We have a very unique experience. Therefore, I have to create a podcast that's uniquely directed to us. In centering black women, we create a safe space where we share, where we discuss, and we understand. We're able to relate to things in the podcast because if we haven't gone through it, we've gone through something similar. Do you understand? Or we are going through it. So I see it as our responsibility. If we want to break this community curse in the world of work as a community, we need to share the podcast. We have to. Because when you start giving people knowledge, you start breaking those generational bounds. You start breaking those generational curses about the workplace. You have to start dismantling it by giving people the information and allowing them to develop the tools. It's the only way. It's the only way. Because some of the advice I see that people are giving people, it's mad. You need to go to HR and tell HR, shut up your mouth. Shut it up. HR don't give two shits about you. You have to let HR know that you're willing to take it there. How do you do that? Due diligence, burn folder, audit trail. That's how you do it. HR can't play with me. HR could never play with me. Remember the podcast episodes a few episodes ago where I had to take something to HR as a consultant. I had to take it to HR as a consultant. HR don't employ me. I'm not employed by the company. I'm a consultant. But I had to take it to HR to, and HR had no choice but to deal with it. If that is not teaching you how to deal with HR in an organisation, what will? So me who's not an employee, I'm a consultant. I know how to do HR so that they will stand to attention. You, that's, a, 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 that's an employee. You don't know how to deal with HR. You're there, you're going to go to HR, you're going to do this. Bullshit. If you want to put them on a tightrope, you have to have a correct audit trail. Then copy in HR, copy in your line manager, let them know that the crud begins today. You know what professional dismantling is? Professional dismantling. If you want to dismantle their bullshit, you have to come on a professional level. 
What does professional level mean? You have to come correct. This is not he said, she said. I don't get involved in that. This is not I felt, he felt. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the cold, hard facts. As a result of the discriminatory and dangerous behavior, it has affected my health. It has affected me, for example, X, Y, Z. And given that your organization owes me a duty of care, I believe that you have not executed your duty of care in accordance to employment law rights. Full stop. You don't have to read a textbook. But some of you, some of you either it's fear or it's just not knowing. And if it's fear, let us work on destroying fear. Because where fear exists, so does mistakes. When you are fearful, you make a lot of mistakes because you're acting out of the fear of emotion. When you are angry, you make mistakes because you're acting from the emotional standpoint of anger. And I'm telling you, you have every right to be angry, every single right. But I want to tell, I want to ask you a question. How many times have you seen Boris Johnson angry? How many times? These people will smile in your face like one silent assassin while they go back in the office and plotting your demise. How about that? How many times have you seen Dominic Cummings angry? My man will turn up to a parliamentary committee with three buttons undone. He's as chilled as a chilled cucumber. Chilled as a chilled cucumber. That's how my auntie used to say cucumber. 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 Chilled like a cucumber. Let us learn from these people. There's something to learn with these people. Listen, back in the day when they're going to war, they'll be doing their anthem, their national anthem. They're doing their national anthem, yeah. While the other side is like, oh, I want blood, I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna rip him. No, these ones are doing national anthem because they've already got the strategy, so they need to come calm. They don't use emotion to be angry. Choose your national anthem. You know what my national anthem is? Success will be attained my national anthem is no white person or non-black person will ever have the capacity ability or the strength to rattle me and if they do i won't give them the satisfaction of being rattled in front of them those are my national anthem i have it in my vision board i cannot be triggered by non-black people and if I am, they won't get the satisfaction of seeing me being triggered. It's not going to happen. Because once I show them I'm triggered, they will now go to their friends and be telling them. And then they'll be coming to trigger me every five minutes. I can't be pushed out of a job. You can't push me out of a job. I will go when I'm good and ready. Somebody asked me recently in the DMs, Toya, you come across as very confident. I get the impression that you're very comfortable in your own skin. How would you advise somebody to be confident? I said, okay, you know what? Let's have a podcast episode. It's not an advice thing. I'm going to teach, I'm going to talk about how I became confident. Where does that actually come from? It's actually a product of all the battle scars I've had in my early twenties when I knew no better. That's where my confidence actually comes from. But we'll keep that for a, for a separate episode. Before we draw the podcast episode to an end, I just want to give you guys like, um, an update on Graham. So remember I told you guys about Graham. If you listen to the last episode or the first episode of 2022, you'll hear a bit about Graham. 
But as an update, since that episode, Graham obviously put um, a meeting in my diary. He screenshot my diary. All that passive aggressive bullshit. He's been doing it. And that my burn folder for him has been, it's very healthy. Do you understand? Very healthy. So there are two women that work on my project. Yeah. And junior members of staff. But in order, I mean, they're imperative to the project. Do you know what I mean? So this man, Graham, put a meeting in my diary. So I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to have to have this meeting. But you know what I'm going to have to do? This man doesn't understand. You see, I've been dodging him. I've tried to be polite. But he, he only understands crud. Yeah, he's typical white, middle-class northern man. And even though you can see, like, he's seething. Anytime, like, there's a meeting, you can, you know, this is a person that he... No one's asked you, but you're introducing yourself. You're giving us a shopping list of your experience, but no one's asking you. And that tells me that not only... I know already he's looking for a job here. Yeah, he's looking for a job. He, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't got a space here because of his attitude. And the reason why he keeps telling everybody and throwing his accolades is because he lacks self-esteem. So he's trying to reassure himself. Yeah, it's from a place of a lack of self-esteem. Cool. Keep it to yourself. I don't give a shit. So I had two of the, my, my colleagues, and there happened to be two white women, and that was deliberate. I said to them, I'm not going to have a meeting with Graham by myself. That's not going to happen. You two need to be there. I need witnesses. So they came on a meeting. Um, Graham now says, um, Taya, uh, since we last met, um, I need XYZ, and I need you to send it today um we're all busy and uh, everybody tells me you're busy but i need it today so that's the reason for the meeting have you got anything to add i put my my camera on i say graham i don't know maybe you're having some problem in your personal life or you wrote woke up on the wrong side of the bed and maybe that side of the bed was quite cold or you're just having a bad day whatever the reason i'm gonna ask you to police how you're speaking to me you're so close to the screen i thought you were gonna bump into me and that's because you're so angry you're always angry this is maybe the third conversation I've ever had with you. I don't talk to you. I don't have anything to do with you. And you have nothing to do with my project. He goes, yes, I have nothing to do with a project because you've made sure I have nothing to do with a project. I said, well, you've got nothing to offer. I know you're going to give me all your credentials, but your credentials are not applicable on my project. I am the manager of this project. And as the manager, I pick my team. And you're not picked. So you have to just go and find where you fit. You don't fit here. I will not be giving you that document because I manage this product project and I don't have to. I said, all this back and forth is a waste of time. Why don't you put a meeting in with Deborah? She is the director. Put in a meeting. I said, since you're so angry, why don't you make a formal complaint? Go and make a formal complaint to, to Deborah. I said, are we going to talk about the meeting, I, very first meeting I had with you where you called me disingenuous? 
but it had no context in the conversation you just said it because out of emotion the same anger that you've presented yourself with today is the same anger you used to say that are we going to talk about the email that you sent when i had covid you know the one where you said i know you have covid but do you remember that email where you were specifically told to go through deborah to do with anything with my project you were specifically told I said, the fact that I'm even in this meeting, he goes, oh, well, and he started trying to, he was over talking, over talking. I said, excuse me, I'm not finished. He goes, I know you're not finished, but I've got something to say. I said, you will wait until I have finished. Because this patriarchy that is manifesting itself here, I'm sorry, I'm not attending. I will finish what I'm speaking, what I'm saying, and I'll finish speaking. And if you've got something to add in the end, you will exercise patience and restraint. What you are not going to do is overtalk me. He goes, oh, look at you. You're angry. You're a narrator. You're a narrator. You're angry. You're angry. I said, yeah, typical, isn't it? I'm an angry black woman. I said, yeah, we're very bored of that trope. It's boring. And it's, it is based on racial prejudice and stereotype about black women. I'm not angry. I said, you're the one that's talking. I can see the spit jumping out of your mouth. I'm not angry. I said to my colleague, Sophie. She said, yes. I said, do I sound angry to you? She goes, no, Toya. I said, Emma. She said, yes, Toya. I said, am I angry? She said, no, Toya, you're not angry. I said, oh, thank you. Please, can you both go and mute? I just want to ask that question. I said, you're calling me a narrator. I said, yes. I'm very well educated. I'm very well educated and very well experienced. So I talk very well. I'm happy that you pay me a compliment of narrator. But let me narrate something to you. This is the last time you will ever put a meeting in my diary. This is also the last time you will ever raise your voice at me. Talk less or talk to me directly. You have no access to me. If you want access to me, you will either speak to Sophie or Emma, who are equally as imperative to this project as me. But your access to me has been denied. You will no longer be permitted to talk to me because you lack the ability to exercise self-control. And if you have an issue with what we've discussed here, I am encouraging you to put in a meeting with myself, Deborah and you, or to make a formal complaint about me. But what you will not do is attempt to bully me, oppress me, suppress me. It's not going to happen. It ends today. And all your behavior has been documented. All your bullying has been documented. And all your aggression has been noted. He said, you're the one, you're making people feel uncomfortable. You're making people... I said, oh, really? He said, yes. I said, okay. Sophie, before I could even say anything, she goes, Toya, I'm not uncomfortable. In fact, I'm very comfortable, thank you. I said, Emma, I'm not uncomfortable. To be honest, I'm actually quite concerned about Graham's behaviour. I said, thank you so much. I said, Graham, it seems as though your agenda is not um, really agendering. Can we move to the end? of this meeting because there's nothing here to discuss he goes but when are you going to send that document graham you only get one warning i will not say it again 
press leave leave meeting i put it down do you know i've been waiting for this man i've been waiting for him to go to deborah i've been waiting for him to go to deborah he, he can't listen let me tell you something i put him on a high jump he can't because he knows if he goes to her i will make sure he's out of here by the time i have written about his behavior and accompanying accompanying it with all his emails he must think i'm what was he thinking what is it about these people that allow themselves to increase my burn folder all the evidence is there all my emails are professional above board no emotion straight to the point and he hates it he's desperately looking for a job he knows that my project is where it's happening he knows but his behavior is so smelly i can't let him come near this project because if i let him come near this project number one he doesn't know the job number two everybody in this project we're so peaceful everybody minds their business and we deliver if you see us doing presentation in the meetings if you see everybody we work in tandem together we work in tandem together why because there's mutual respect and they know how i work i'm not into the passer don't bring passer near me i'm not interested and i mind my business i don't get involved in their gossiping they know don't even bring it to toy it doesn't have time i respect myself so Graham is so desperate to find job. He thinks that he can use that, his masculinity, to come and do what he had. What? This happened over two weeks ago. Till today, he can't tell Deborah shit. But let me tell you what this man did to himself. We have early morning meetings. This early morning meeting, I wasn't on the call. Yeah? I was tired. Apparently, one of my colleagues who's working on another project... And we're going to call her Simone. Do you know that this man decided that this project that she was working on, that he was going to go to the client site? He decided he was going to go to the client site. He didn't tell the project owner. And the project owner is the commercial contract manager, yeah? So you guys know I'm a commercial contract consultant. So we're project managing a particular project as a commercial contract manager, right? And we have various stakeholders for the project. He decided to go to the client site. Didn't tell the project owner, the commercial contract consultant. He didn't tell her. Didn't even tell my boss, the director. He found, he just went there. He just innered himself. Apparently he just found out about certain meetings then went to the supplier directly, got their address and went there. So in the morning meeting, my boss was like, does anyone want to raise anything? He was like, oh, I went to so-and-so client site. And um, I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect the commercial contract uh, manager here. But this is my opinion. I've written a report. My boss said, but who sent you? Who told you to go there? Then he said to the project owner, did you know about this? She's like, this is the first time I'm hearing it. My boss said, excuse me. Why do you think that it's appropriate to go to a client site and you have, number one, you didn't um, run it past me, but the lead of that project doesn't know about it. And now you have the, the audacity, my boss said, the audacity, she said it, uh, to write a report. And the report is based on a visit that nobody even authorised. Can you please stay on after the call? Apparently, my boss ripped his arsehole out. But apparently, he's been going around doing a lot of that. Now, this particular commercial contract consultant is quite a sensitive person. So it really affected her. 
And I found out because Emma, who's on my project, told me about it. And she said, Toya, you are one step ahead. Thank God you never let him, you know, get involved in the project, you know. And she told me. So I said, oh, that's unfortunate. Because me, I'm not going to give my opinion to nobody. Mm, no. Do you know that apparently he's been going by my, behind my boss's back and um, going to her boss to talk to her about, her boss about certain things? And my boss is not having that. So... When I had to catch up with my boss, so usually we have a cat like bi-weekly on a project. She said, Toya, I need to ask you something. I said, yeah, of course. So in my head, I was thinking, great. Graham's gone now, so I'm ready. Nah, Graham ain't even gone to say nothing to my boss. She said, Toya, I know that you don't work with Graham, but your, um, you know, your experience is invaluable. And like the team that you've created around your project really work well what's your opinion about graham i said to my boss well as you've said i don't work with him but if you're asking me this because you want him on my project unfortunately his behavior is incompatible with the direction of our project and the way we work as a team he's not very collaborative and i think maybe he just needs a solo project um but in terms of me and what I think about him, I don't know him on a personal level. I just know that his behaviour is counterintuitive to the balance of this team. My boss just looked at me. She said, Toya, you could have been a politician, you know. I said, no, that's the truth. Because equally as well, I'm not going to go there and say, this is my experience of him, this, that and the third. No, I need him to do that. So that when I finish him off, yeah, and I put him on a high jump, I make sure he's out of here. So... My boss was like, don't worry, I'm not going to put him on your project at all. It's just the way he's been behaving and things that he's done is very questionable. And I'm actually um, thinking about whether he is actually a fit for the team. In my head, I was thinking he's no fit here. But my, my boss does play the long game sometimes. But the reason I say this is, number one, to give you guys an update. But number two, see these white middle class northern men? Some of them are just, I don't understand this behaviour, but I know that he hates women. Because he's done it to the women. All this takeover spirit that he's done, he's doing it to the women. He's not done it to the men. So I have to, I have to take it that he has an issue with women. Now, is it because I'm a black woman? I'm not sure. I'm still undecided about that. I haven't concluded yet. But I'm waiting for him to go to Deborah. He doesn't want to go to Deborah about me. Because I mind my business. You came to look for me. He knows he messed up. Because in his heightened state of emotion, he started writing emails. The violent emails. The passive... Why are you taking screenshots of my calendar? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? What is that behaviour about? Why are you writing in caps lock? Why are you shouting? And then you hit the send button. And then he'll come and tell you how great he is. That he solved world hunger. Yeah? He'll come and tell you that he cuts down trees for charity. You're stupid. Anyway... Thought I'd leave you with that story because because no matter how successful you are or how high up the career ladder you you climb, you can't swerve some of these people. You you know we've got a podcast episode called um, New New Level New Devil, and that's on period. You can literally be the quietest person in the room. These people who are committed committed to exercising racism, patriarchy and bullshit will always attempt to start trouble. This is somebody I do not know. This is somebody who is angry that he can't bully me 
into giving him what he needs so he can secure his job here. His tenure is under compromise. It's under, and, and you know what? I hope my boss is realizing that he's got to go. But he don't want to start with me. Because the day he starts with me, and I'm not one of these people, you guys know me. When I'm, making, when I'm sending an email about you, I'm copying you in it. My violence will start with a zip folder. You should already know that that is my Dominic Cummings box of goodies. I'm not playing games. I will never start no mess, but I'll finish it. Why we as black people cannot just navigate work in peace, I don't know. But you have to find the determination within yourself to stand firm. I'm being firm. Do you not think I'm tired? Do you not think I get upset about these things? Of course I do. I'm a human being because push comes to shove. I don't want to be having to deal with this shit. I don't. There must. Sometimes I say to myself, there must be easier ways. Easier ways. What is all this? But being a black woman in the workplace is an extreme sport. It is an extreme sport. It is. Why? Because a lot of these people don't want to see us there. And when they see us as senior, it rattles them. Because some of these people think, oh my God, these black people, they're coming to tick. They're coming to recoup what, what is theirs. I've worked hard for where I am. I don't need to tell people my accolades because my work speaks for itself. My work introduces itself before you've met me. I don't have to do all of that. I'm, I'm open to learning. What I don't know, I, I can humble myself to learn. I learn every single day. I'm a subject matter expert in what, I've, what I do for a career. I've been doing this in excess of eight years, but I learn every day because you have to accept that you don't know everything. This man thinks he knows everything. How are you going to come and teach me, but you can't even spell your name backwards? What the fuck? Some, some of these people, this is why they're aging the way they're aging, you know? This is why they're aging the way they're aging, because they're co constantly on violence towards black people in the workplace. How is it that you're in your home and you look like you smell? How are you in your home and you look like you haven't washed? Your violence doesn't even allow you to take a shower before you exercise that violence. This man had dirt in the corner of his lips. He was spitting, spitting, spitting anger. Why are you so close? I had to take a step back in my own house because I, yeah, I thought he was going to headbutt me through the screen. What the hell? And he's seething with rage. Then how would that be if you're in, a, in that office environment with that type of person? No, honey. Mm -mm. No, no, sir. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere it's working from home for life because it's wfh uh -uh, what is all this i'm a work from home i can't do that i can't I, honestly i can't I, I just don't look at what we're swerving working from home and then I, what, what will happen in the workplace my man will be screaming in my face what what I, we'll be in hr every day no it's okay thank you no ma'am no sir anyway um before i wrap up I just want to say that I'm so proud of the NHS staff and all that they have done since the beginning of the pandemic and before then as well. But also, um, just off the back of last week's episode, where um, the government have made, basically were attempting to make it mandatory for NHF to be vaccinated. There was actually a protest that took place in on Saturday just past. Um, at number 10 Downing Street and a lot of the NHS staff who were protesting, basically their uniforms, they threw it on the floor and everything. 
Now remember there's an NHS um, shortage. Part of it is because a lot of NHS staff have walked away from the NHS. They don't want to be made to feel like it's mandatory to get a vaccine if they don't want to have one. And also as well, I definitely think that um, the shortage of staff is also down to Brexit and things like that. And I did say that sometimes as, as employees or just staff working in organisations, you don't know your strength or your power in numbers. So the government are basically reviewing their mandatory approach. Because clearly, if the doctors and nurses, anaesthetists or any medical professionals come together and say they're not going to take the vaccine and they are sacked, fired or walk away, who's going to treat the people in the hospital? And this is what the government have realised. So they're, they're now in discussions about kind of withdrawing the mandatory requirement to be vaccinated. So let's watch this space and see what happens. But again, let that be an example of when you come together and you put your foot down, and you collectively come together, this is this what can happen. How dare, how dare Boris Johnson be clapping for NHS staff, clapping for them? You won't give them a sufficient pay increase. You charge them to park in a hospital car park. And on top of that, you're saying, if you want to continue in this profession, it's mandatory that you should have the vaccine, even if they don't believe in it, even if they don't want it, even if they've had allergic reaction, or even if they just don't believe that they want one, you're making it mandatory. He's disgusting. He's actually disgusting. Honestly, he's, he's, he's disgusting. Um, so I'm really proud of the NHS staff and all those that protested. And I'm fully in support of NHS staff. Um, and everything they do is greatly appreciated. They don't want to be clapped for. They just want to be respected. Just to be respected. So anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Um, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, make sure every Tuesday on Twitter... There is a Twitter space called Black in the Workspace, um, 8 p.m. every Tuesday. Go ahead and listen. I'll be in the room um, on Tuesday listening and hopefully adding adding to that room um, as and when required. Also, as well, if you want to follow me on social media, please do because, like, you know, I'm hella engaging. <laughs> follow me on Instagram. My Instagram page, my personal Instagram page is Toya underscore Washington. The Toya Talks podcast Instagram page is Toya underscore Talks. Of course, you know, I've got my YouTube channel. I vlog bi-weekly and um, I will be uploading this Sunday. I'm really, really excited about the um, vlog content that's coming to the YouTube channel. And it's called At Home with Toya. The um, link is in the show notes. Make sure you also follow me on Snapchat. My um, Snapchat handle is Toya Washington, all one word. And of course, on Twitter, Toya underscore talks. And of course, I am on TikTok. And I will be like doing like work related tips on TikTok as well. Um, and my handle there is Toya Washington, all one word. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to thank you once again for joining me. If you are listening on Spotify, please rate this um, podcast. It really helps me out and it really helps people out who maybe are listening on Spotify or wanting to listen and are f um, new to the podcast and the platform. Also, if you listen to me on any other platform and you're able to rate and review, I'd really appreciate it. Apple Podcasts, the same thing. Please rate and review. Of course, you know, we've got the website, toytalks.com, and we have all the masterclasses. I will shortly be adding some new masterclasses to the website. So I'm really, really excited. So February is the month of some new masterclasses. And the existing masterclasses are amazing and equally as good and equally as beneficial. And those of you who have purchased has testified of the same. So yeah, make sure you kind of stay abreast of all the things Toya Talks. Also as well, I have recently announced that I will be doing a Toya Talks Live this year. If you guys remember, some of you um, 
that attended in 2018 it was i think it was like a i i think it was like a 300 capacity maybe it was 350 i can't remember anyway in 2018 and um, we had a toy talks live it was sold out within 72 hours um when we had another toy talks live in 2020 unfortunately i had to cancel it due to covid we sold out within 24 hours so i do expect that when the tickets go and release for the toy talks live this year it will sell out pretty quickly and i will not be adding further tickets or further dates so keep your eyes peeled for that make sure you follow me on social media to get all the updates and all the information about toy talks as a platform podcast live events you name it. We have a remote masterclass coming up in February as well, looking at employment contracts. I'm really excited to do that because you guys know that I love a good contract. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share the podcast with family, friends, or anybody you feel like will benefit from the podcast. Make sure if you haven't already, go on the website, have a look at the masterclasses, go onto the YouTube channel at Home with Toya where you can follow my life and things that I'm doing. There's so much amazing content coming out on the YouTube channel and I'm really, really excited. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you once again for joining. I'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of the Toy Talks podcast. My name is Toy Washington and you have been listening to the Toy Talks podcast.